All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Well, a little extra brass bonanza for you on a positive Friday. How are you? Welcome to the Jason Greger Show and Empton Sports Leader TSN 1260. Beautiful, beautiful Friday afternoon. Man, what a positive Friday. Sunny, not too hot, no wind. It's amazing. This is like an ideal night to barbecue. Maybe go for a bike ride, a walk, whatever you're doing. Get outside, uh, enjoy it, as it is a a beautiful day in uh, northern Alberta today. Gregor Show, as always, brought to you by PlayAlberta.ca. It's your digital home for online gaming excitement, including casino, live dealer, lottery, instance, and sports betting. Sign up today. Use the promo code CASINO50 if you're a first-time user, and you'll get a $50 gift to play. Lots to uh, discuss on the show today. Uh, solid lineup, as always, from the uh, the con man, Connor Halley, back at uh, TSN headquarters. Uh, Gazzola will be by, uh, Low Tide Button, Rashog, uh, Gino Lewis, uh, Edmonton Elks receiver, as they are practicing a lot right now because uh, they don't play this weekend. The final weekend of the preseason, they've already played their two preseason games, so they will get a few days off and then start preparing for their home opener next weekend against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Strud's back. We'll talk a little Memorial Cup as uh, the... Uh, it didn't go the way it wanted for uh, for old Struddy as the uh, the Blazers, the hometown boys, uh, they uh, lose last night in overtime, and they are out. Of the Memorial Cup. Unfortunate, but it's just how it goes, baby. They lost uh, 5-4 in overtime. Outshot Peterborough 47-30. to But, uh, man, Stan Coven had an unreal chance in overtime. And then Peterborough comes back and uh, Avon scores. And uh, they move on. And tonight, the, uh, the hopes now, if you want the Western Hockey League to win, will be on the skates of the Seattle Thunderbirds, who, of course... We're the best team in the regular season in the WHL. I would say they are the favorite tonight. Doesn't mean they'll win, but they definitely are the favorite tonight. And uh, it's perfect if you like uh, some championships games. Of course, on TSN tonight, you have that game. Last night, we had uh, NBA game one. The uh, the Nuggets will get to that to put on a clinic 
uh, tomorrow, game one of the Stanley Cup final, Vegas versus Florida. It was a media day today, so we'll hear from uh, a few of the players, coaches uh, on that. Uh, I think Vegas, I think they have the advantage on defense. I think they have the advantage uh, on depth forwards 1 through 12, and I think Florida has the advantage in goal. Then there's lots of other intangibles that you want to look at and see. We'll uh, find out where it goes, but it's going to be uh, it's going to be an interesting series. Obviously, uh, I've taken Vegas, which means a whole lot of nothing. So, we'll see how they do. NBA final last night, and uh, you look at some of the statistics that that come out of that game. You have. Uh, Nikola Djokic became the second player in NBA history to lead both teams in points and assists in his final debut. The other player, go back to 1991. Michael Jordan, Connor Howell. Did you watch the game last night? What did you think? Cons, can you hear me? Maybe not. I got you, Gregor. What did you think of the game last night? You know what? Uh, probably not as competitive as you wanted it to be. Uh, kind of how we talked about. It. I think we both were on the same page with this one that the Denver Nuggets, uh, they're just they're just so good and they're playing such good basketball. And you got the two time MVP and Jamal Murray back uh, doing what he can do, uh, finishing with twenty six points. And Jokic came on strong. Like early on, he wasn't putting up the points. I think he was close to a triple-double with only one attempt, and all of a sudden, he pours it on towards the end of the game, but I just think the Denver Nuggets are too deep. Uh, Jimmy Butler wasn't good enough. You, you can't win a game with him only putting up 13 points. They're going to need more from him, but I just think the Denver Nuggets, they just got such a good, strong team, Gregor, and I, I know it finished at 11, but it never really felt like it was a close game. It felt like the Denver Nuggets had that one from start to finish. Uh, Nine-point lead after the first quarter and never looked back. I don't know what the Miami Heat do to adjust because, I mean, Jamal Murray, he looks like the guy he was pre-injury. Uh, Jokic is just a beast on the boards as well. It's it's going to be tough for them to dig this one out. You had the the Nuggets in five. I had them in six. We'll, we'll see if that happens. Wow, they, they look like the better team. How about you got to go back to 1986 when you had Larry Bird, Kevin McHale, and Robert Parrish in game six of the 1986 NBA Finals, where Bird had a triple-double, McHale and Parrish each had double-doubles. And that's what happened last night. Jokic, triple-double, Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., double-double. I get what, as great as Jokic was, no, get me wrong. Now, Murray showed up, solid game. Porter showed up, solid game. I just, I don't see how the Heat match up in this series and the crazy part about it is if you look at the contracts and the salaries of denver and the age of their young guys they're they're going to be a handful here for the next few seasons you know jamal murray has well he has two more years until he's a free agent so minimum two but you know with nba guys they're gonna be able to sign him no problem um porter and uh, Jokic each have three years after this aaron gordon has um, actually Jokic has four years excuse me after this season, same with Porter Jr. Gordon has three. Like they look good, man. They look they're they're going to be a force. I think they're going to be the new force in the NBA. It's hard to win back to back, but I think they're going to be a force. I know they haven't won the series yet, and uh, we saw Boston pushed the Heat to the limits after being down three nothing. But man, you watched that game last night. If if you're a Heat fan, other than saying, "Hey, we think Jimmy Buckets can play better," and that's fair. When you look at matchups, where's one that you say, hey, I think this is a good advantage for us? I'm just not sure I see it. And uh, and that's the uh, – it's just it's, – it's unique, man. They are – Jokic is such a unique player for such a big man and how he moves the ball. And it's it's awesome to watch. Like it, I know the NBA, hey, they shoot threes lots now. Some, some old school people don't like it. I guess I can understand it, but I find the game more entertaining now than I ever have, to be honest. And I hey, trust me, I grew up watching you know, in, in the late 80s to the 90s, and I love that basketball now. But, uh, you know, the way the game has gone here the last few years, 
I really enjoyed. And I think we're seeing similar in in the NHL. We're, we're seeing more of an emphasis on offense. You can still have great goaltending. Look at Florida. You can still have great goaltending, but there's an emphasis. You need offensive guys. Ask Carolina. If you can't score, you can't win. Carolina didn't give up a lot, but they can't score. So if you can't score in today's NHL, it's uh, it's very, very difficult to win. You can text the show at 10-12-60. You can dial us up at 444 uh, You can email us in our Jiffy Lube inbox, Jay Gregor at tsn1260.ca. Uh, a few other things uh, to discuss. I know for, um, uh, man, if you're a golfer, today's like the ideal golf day. Uh, we played at the uh, MS Smash Out uh, Golf Tournament today. A huge shout-out for uh, for Jill. She, she purchased it and uh, had a lot of fun in our group. In typical golf fashion, the uh, the last hole, God, I had to leave uh, just to, we had, I think, one hole left, but I had to go so I could get here to do the show. And, of course, uh, last drive of the day, right perfect straight down the pipe uh, on the fourth hole at the ranch. And I'm just like, serious, because, you know, it was an up and down day, a lot of fun. It was perfect weather for golf, and, uh, you know, they raised a lot of money, so shout out to everybody who, who's out there and sponsoring it and, and playing in the Smash Out MS um, you know, they had people from MS out there, lots of people who have been impacted by that, especially in northern Alberta. I think maybe some people don't recognize just for whatever reason, and they don't have an answer. They've looked at and there's no, they can't find a rhyme or reason. But women in northern Alberta are impacted by MS more than anyone. And it's an awful disease. The scary part about MS is it it can go away for a while, but it's, you never, you it's not like it just goes away. Like, you know, you look at cancer. There are times when people can beat cancer and they can say, hey, I got a clean bill of health. I'm done. That never happens with MS. It's awful. And it can come back at different times. It can come back out of nowhere. And for, for everybody out there who has somebody who is impacted by MS, uh, I hope you're having a good day because anybody who has uh, MS knows that some days you wake up and you don't even know if it's going to be good or a bad day. So hopefully on a positive Friday, you were having a great day. Guys, Joker looks like he's watching the game from top down. He just seems more aware of all the players from both teams than everybody else. That's a fair statement. You just watch how he controls the game. His angle, because he's so much taller, and how he can distribute the ball is just different. And it's fun to watch. It's fun to watch. And he's not going to jump like Jordan or Dominique Wilkins or LeBron James and those type of guys, but he's still highly, highly effective. Highly effective. Just shows you there's you know, there's different ways to dominate sports. Look at Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid. Look at how different their games are and how both are highly, highly effective players. So, Lots of text already on... Coming in around uh, the NHL and some rumblings about NHL teams and such. Hey, Gregor, I know you mentioned the uh, the Winnipeg Jets. Is there anybody in Winnipeg do you think the Oilers could pry out? Well, look at the Winnipeg Jets roster. And, and I, hey, would you want Connor Hellebuck? Of course you'd want Connor Hellebuck. But what's the cost going to be to get Connor Hellebuck? Not only to acquire him, but then to re-sign him. All right, he'll be, uh, he'll be 31 when his contract expires. He's currently making 6.1 mil. I don't think he's taking a pay cut. So what's it going to be, 8 mil? 7 mil? You know, if it's 7.5, that's basically what the Orders 2 goalies make right now. I look at the other guys that Blake Wheeler know. I really like Pierre-Luc Dubois, but the Orders don't need him. Same with Mark Shifley. So all the num- all the names that are rumbling to be moving out of Winnipeg, I'm not sure there's a fit for Edmonton. I, I don't see it. Right? Edmonton's looking for more. Like they might want a top six right winger. Well, not might. I think they would like one. But no, I, I don't view Blake Wheeler at $8.25 million as the answer, my humble opinion. And you know, I don't see their depth guys. Now, you know, there's some people who talked about uh, Dylan DeMello. Um, is, is Dylan DeMello a clear upgrade over Cody Cece? Honestly, I can't say 
if now if you want to base off this last year, sure. But there's lots of guys who will have, you know, if you would have based, if you would have said this last summer at this time, people would say no chance. I'm not trading CC for Debello. CC was great. So, I I wouldn't see that that type of deal going on. Don't have it. Jason, I have four women in my circle that have MS, and it's a brutal disease. Thanks for all you guys do from James from the Hood. Well, thanks, James. And you know what? Uh, the MS Society is an amazing charity. And it's it's not only the money they raise. It's the support they give to the people with MS as well as the support they give to their families. And, you know, like they have lots of stuff that's available, and there's lots of people around uh, in the Edmonton area who, who use those uh, facilities and, and use all of the – the leadership and the education and, and the support that they get. So I like it. Hey guys, Adam Lowry might be the only player that I would seriously pursue. Hey, Adam Lowry's a hell of a player, man. I would agree. Like if, if you could get Adam Lowry as your third line center, are you kidding me? Do that in a heartbeat. But if you're the Winnipeg Jets and you look at the team and they're moving guys, like that's the one guy I'm keeping. He's got a great cap hit. Big, strong, like yeah, he'd be ideal, hundred percent. I don't, I don't see why the Jets, unless he suddenly asks for a trade, I don't see why the uh, the Jets would be interested in uh, in trading him. Hey, Gregor, if we don't get rid of goalie coach Dustin Swartz, we will still uh, getting beat glove side. Fancy it, goalie coach is a huge problem in Edmonton. Now, when you say something like the fans see it, what what are they seeing? So do you understand the technical part of the position? Because we've had Kevin Woodley on, who knows infinitely more about goaltending than I do. We've had Mike McKenna on the show. Dustin Schwartz. Go go look at Miko Koskinen and how he got beat his first year on his glove hand. And then go look and see how much he got beat there. Guys get beat across the league glove hand sometimes. It's going to happen. But Miko Koskinen never had a great glove. At 30 years of age, you think the goalie coach is suddenly going to make him have a good glove. Like, it's it's unrealistic. They narrowed his stance. They changed some things so his glove wasn't as vulnerable. That's all you can really do as a coach. You can't take a 37-year-old Mike Smith. And, by the way, go look at Mike Smith's numbers when he was here. Stuart Skinner was a rookie goaltender. He's up for the Calder. And you think the goalie coach is terrible? Like, what planet? What planet are you living in? to think this it doesn't make sense to me hey this guy's up for rookie of the year he's terrible do you think rookies can improve i'd say they can't i know justin uh, dustin schwartz is a target that a lot of people but i'm sorry when fans say oh the fans see it tell me what you see give me your technical breakdown of what you see because i think what you think you see isn't actually what's happening maybe i'm wrong maybe you are a goaltending savant but let me know. Break down what you're seeing. Because the statement, they get beat glove, is very vague and offered no solution as to what it is. I just, um, hey, guys, how come goalies get better when they leave Edmonton? Can you name the goalies who get better when they leave Edmonton? Tell me. Who? Go look at Cam Talbot's career and then tell me how it was infinitely better outside of Edmonton. How's Miko Koskinen doing since he left Edmonton? Oh, that's right. He's not in the NHL. Devin Dubnik wasn't here with Dustin Schwartz. So which goalies have left and gotten better under Dustin Schwartz? Um, and the people say Lauren Brassois? Yeah. Do you know who Lauren Brassois' goalie coach in the summer is? Dustin Schwartz. I know it's crazy, isn't it? So... I just, this is this is an old, tired thing, and we've repeated it many times. I don't know how many people just repeat a statement that's blatantly false. It makes no sense to me. It makes no sense. Was it Dustin Schwartz's problem that Cam Talbot started 73 games? I don't care who your goalie coach is. Goalies, Cam Talbot played 73 games, then he played how many the next year? Got fatigued. That's just a fact. Is the, is the goalie coach in Dallas bad because Jake Ottinger had a really good playoffs last year and then struggled this year? It must be the goalie coach. Could never be the player, right? Are, if, if you're def- like, is Dave Manson a terrible defense coach because Cody Ceci was good last year and this year he struggled? 
I like. I know it's easy to pick the goalie position because it's one or two guys. But in the goalie fraternity, and if you actually look at the improvement of Mike Smith, you look at Miko Koskinen. What? What? Well, you inherited Miko Koskinen, a guy who had never been an NHLer at thirty, and he became a serviceable backup. What more did you expect? Honestly, what more did you expect? So, I'm still waiting for the goalies that left. Hey, Gregor, uh, Dub- and guys are texting in Dubnik. Dubnik and Schwartz didn't work together. They didn't work together. Why are you mentioning it? Also, Devin Dubnik on our show. You know what he said? It's when he went to uh, to Arizona and finally was like, you know what? I'm going to listen to what the goalie coach. He admitted on our show he was stubborn and wasn't willing to make some of the changes that they wanted. Then he went there, and, and Sean Burke, that guy's awesome. Funny thing about Sean Burke is he doesn't want to just be a goalie coach, but he's a really good goalie coach. He's excellent at it. Awesome. But again, since Schwartz has been here, name the goalies who'd left that Dustin Schwartz were suddenly way better. Just please let me know at 10 12, 60. Take a quick break. We'll return to the Gregor Show presented by PlayAlberta.ca. 227 of the Sports City TSN, twelve sixty. What a gorgeous day outside, man. Oh, jeez. They're in the Velvet Dungeon, and I'm, uh, I'm uh, measuring my uh, cord. I think I'm going to go buy a new cord so uh, I can broadcast from outside on days like today. It's like patio weather. It's unbelievable. So nice. So uh, it'll that's going to be a new experiment. We'll see uh, see how that goes. But on a day like today, it would be ideal. Man, is it awesome outside. So hopefully you're getting outside. If you've been working today, uh, put a smile on your face because uh, when you get off work, it's going to be great. Let's get to the Chronicles now, brought to you by Action Electrical. And uh, they, you know what, uh, been in for 50 years, and uh, you don't stick around and keep growing your company without giving back to the community. They're huge supporters of the Hope Mission and Birch Bay Ranch, as well as the uh, uh, TELUS uh, Friendly Future Foundation, Vanguard College, and more. Check it out, actionelectrical.net, as Tom Gazzola joins us on a lovely Friday afternoon. Uh, Tommy, the uh, game one of the... NBA Finals went last night, and it was it was pretty dominant performance. I felt by the uh, by the Denver Nuggets. Like Jokic is such a unique player. Like he's fascinating for me to watch because he's very different than like the other superstars, like LeBron and Michael Jordan, and you go to other guys. Like they're just you know they're great athletes, really good basketball players, but very athletic. Jokic doesn't crush you with athleticism; it just beats you with a ridiculous array of skill. Right, and a mind for the game too, right, Gregs? I mean, watching him and Jamal Murray go to work yesterday was a thing of beauty. Like, some of the passing plays that those two are making, whether it was uh, Jokic over to Murray or vice versa, like, not only were they coming up with these nice plays, like, there were times where they were passing up uh, wide-open shooting lanes and making a dish, and then the other guy would finish it off. Uh, Masterclass performance from the Nuggets, and, and those two leading the charge, so... Uh, I know some people were joking that this thing is done in three. That's kind of funny. But at the same time, the Miami Heat have something to say about that. But that was a pretty thorough victory through and through yesterday for Denver. And if those two are going to continue to lead the charge throughout this series, yeah, this thing isn't going to go very long. But we'll see. That's why you play the game, Gregs. But uh, nice to see the boy out of Kitchener helping out and uh, one more game closer to an NBA championship. Tommy, do you play fantasy? You don't really play fantasy football, do you? I have. Uh, I don't pay enough attention to my teams, and I am also fearful of the last place finish in a lot of fantasy football leagues because I know it comes with punishment. Why do you bring that up? Well, because so there's uh, Will Levis is, of course, the uh, Titans rookie quarterback. Um, I know last year people were all had their – pallets out of place when he was talking about uh, that he put mayo in his coffee which i found yeah. uh, rather like that, that does seem uh, very weird but um he was in a, a fantasy football league and uh, talked about uh, the what the loser has to do 
um, eating an entire pack of uncooked hot dogs. <laughs> Which, like as a kid, you used to eat hot dogs raw, didn't you? Yes. Yeah, I was going to say, I, every now and then you just grab one and eat it from the fridge, right? Like, that's not weird, is it? Not really, but now as an adult, would you eat a raw hot dog? Could you eat 12 of them? 12? Definitely not. One, maybe, if I was really desperate for a snack, but I'd probably avoid it. But So you're telling me that the the... The punishment for losing his fantasy football draft is eating 12 uncooked hot dogs in one sitting. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now, that, that, that loser, I, I don't know if, yeah, that's, like, that was the loser in his league. He didn't lose, but that's yeah. what the last one. Um, he had to eat a whole pack of uncooked hot dogs. So. I'd probably throw up. I'm not going to lie to you. And I think, I think I heard somewhere, too, there was like a, live streaming portion yes. to this too yeah you had to do it online and like first of all how many people are going to watch joe blow eat 12 like is your life that lacking in excitement that you'd have to watch some stranger eat 12 hot dogs maybe but maybe. i like there, i'm in a we don't have a loser punishment in our like well actually they they have to they have to be the uh, the sticker person the next year because we have a big draft board and so when the picks are called you have to put the stickers on the board it's annoying you it sucks it kind of takes away a little bit of your time to draft and and study so that's i guess that's the punishment that we have in our league but there's nothing like specific i'm curious for people out there like i've seen ones where people have to dress up on a street corner and do different things i'm I'm just kind of curious to what level people go when it comes to losing their fantasy football league or baseball league. Yeah, and, and I like this. I mean, it's added motivation to pay attention to your team because that's a big part of it, especially if you do baseball. Because you've got to be on top of, like, your pitchers and who's in, who's out. you got to set your lineup basically every day. Football is not as extenuating, but it is a pain in the butt sometimes, especially with uh, late injuries and guys being questionable and then being, you know, announced as not good to go for – a game on a Sunday and if you you know go out on a Friday night or a Saturday night uh, and you don't set your lineup or you do set it thinking a guy's good to go then you're screwed but like I appreciate the creativity of having these type of situations now Will Levis and eating a 12 pack of uncooked hot dogs I mean this is a guy like you said mayo in his coffee I believe he also eats bananas with the peel on them which is disgusting uh, what? So that one's a bit of yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Yeah, yeah. You didn't know that. He eats the banana peel. Yes, and he, there's video of it, Greg. Like he did it. Yeah, okay, but you can do it once and do it on video. Do you think he's doing it regularly? I mean, he's putting co- coffee with mayonnaise, so I, I'll say yes. And he's trying to make people eat raw hot dogs, like a full twelve pack. So yeah, that's my guess. Jeez. Yeah. I'm curious like, people out there. Um, like, like, well, see, I don't drink coffee, so I can't comment on mayo and coffee. Like, it would seem like an odd connection to me. Gross. But, it's gross. Um, you've tried mayo and coffee? No, but that's disgusting. Like, mayo on a sandwich, I prefer Miracle Whip, you know, dressing sauce, a little bit different. But no, no, uh, no mayo and coffee. That's just bizarre. Hey, guys, raw hot dogs and bologna are the same thing from Chris and Victoria. <laughs> <laughs> but you're not eating a full pack of bologna. Come on, Chris. <sighs> but, like, Greg, I'll just I'll wrap this, this portion of it up with this. Like, I've seen guys have to wear, like, wedding dresses to a sporting event with a sign over their neck saying, I suck at fantasy sports. I think that's hilarious because everybody oh, – yeah. They joke around. Everybody takes a picture. I think that's good, good-hearted fun. But I mean, if you're making someone sick by making them eat some like raw hot dogs, which I think some people might enjoy, teach their own. But you know, there's a fine line to be walked, and uh, I think some people are good about it, and some people are disgusting about it. Tom Gazzola joins us. I'm the sports editor, TSN twelve. 60. Uh, Tommy, it hasn't been a banner week for uh, MLB officials. Um, you, you had the one ump uh, a few days ago when uh, there was a, a terrible call that was outside, and the guy in the batter's box just – now, I couldn't read lips, but he 
didn't seem mad. He just was like, hey, man, come on, that's not outside. And the ump got right in his face, which, of course, he isn't supposed to do. And uh, and now today you have um, the umpire forgot the count, which, I like, to me, I guess you shouldn't. I've never umped. But I, I could see at some point if you think it's three and two and maybe it's two and two. Like, it's happened. We've seen players stand on base, right, thinking there's two outs. Right, the guy hits at the center field. They run. They leave the base. Boom! They double the guy up. So, yeah. like, is it that stunning that an umpire once in a blue moon would forget the count? This one, I'm kind of, uh, I'm looking at it and I'm going, okay. So the other day, you're talking about uh, Jerry Lane when he actually stepped into the batter's box, gotten, uh, I think it was uh, Jeremy Pena's face after like a terrible call, and then he uh, throws out. Uh, uh, Alex Cintron, and and so like that was just a disaster from the get go. But yesterday with this Twins Garden Guardians game, it was uh, the pitcher saying, "Hey, wasn't that strike three? And sure enough, it was. And and what makes matters worse, Gregs, is the the punch out pitch was was over the plate, but it was really low, so it should have been a ball. There's uh, two balls that were fouled off prior to that and, and, a, and a ball. So it was a one-two count. And then he, he calls a third strike, doesn't realize that it was a one-two count with those, those two foul offs. And then you've got the pitcher sitting there going, hey, that was strike three, that was strike three. To the ump's credit, they, they got it right. They corrected it and, you know, sheepishly had to tell the batter, hey, listen, that's a strikeout. But we keep seeing these instances in MLB, like – multiple times a week and we used to see them once every couple of weeks and a lot of people like to make fun of Angel Hernandez and and rightly so because he's by and far the worst ump in MLB but now it's the other guys that are getting caught in all of this and I don't know if it's it's not even like we're in the early season anymore we're in the mid part of the season trade deadlines coming up we're going to be talking about the all-star game right away here and we're still seeing mistakes like this and listen I know it's human nature and We've got the little clicker thing and all of that, but it was just another bad look in a string of incidents with umps and up umpiring crews. And, uh, you know, MLB is not looking great right now with all of this. And, and as people tend to do, they jump on and pile on. And um, I get it with this situation, but the other one with Jerry Lane the other day, that was just bad because of how he forced himself into the batter's box and, Ended up throwing out the manager when he was completely in the wrong. So just another one of those in MLB where you're like, come on, guys, figure it out already. You guys are supposed to be the cream of the crop here. Tom Gazzola joins 7th at Sports Theater, TSN 1260. Tommy, the Stanley Cup final begins tomorrow. What are your projections? What are your predictions of what happens? Yeah, finally this thing gets going, and I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. Greg's you know what? I'm going to go with this. It's a bit of an outlier compared to what most people are saying, but I think Vegas gets this done pretty quickly. I love the story of the Florida Panthers. Sergei Bobrovsky has been amazing coming in. I think it was in game four of that Boston series. And you know what? The guys that were excellent for them last year, including or adding Matthew Kachuk to the mix, uh, this team has taken off and, and it has that Cinderella run type of feel to it. That's great. But I think the way the Vegas Golden Knights are playing, uh, they have a lot of championship pedigree. They have a ton of playoff experience. Um, I know that Aiden Hill isn't a superstar goalie like Bobrovsky is, but I feel like the Golden Knights are in such a groove right now, playing the right way, uh, that, that they're going to take this series. I think they're going to make relatively quick work of it. If I'm wrong on this, I'll eat crow. That's fine. I'll say Golden Knights in five grades. I like it. Tommy, have yourself uh, a wonderful day, and uh, I will chat with you on Monday. Gregs, we're going to be trying to defend our Action Electrical Championship at the golf tournament at the end of May. We got the invite from Kerry, my friend. The end of August, you mean? Or August, pardon me, uh, August. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm in, buddy. I'm in, buddy. I'm in. Practice up. Practice up. I, I need Anybody it. can win once, Tommy. Defending a title is way harder. We, we can do it, Greg. We'll see. Yeah. you. Well, you carry the team. We'll see. By the end of August, usually my game's coming around, so it's nice. We'll see. <laughs> it's uh, Tom Gazzola and the Chronicles brought to you by Action Electrical. When we return, 
Steve Phillips is uh, going to join us. It has not been a great first two months for the Toronto Blue Jays. Now, the good news, they're not out of it by any stretch. But the question remains, like, how about Vla- Vladdy Guerrero can hit a home run in Toronto? Is that not the most stunning statistic? I, I like When I read that, I was like, pardon? Like, how can he not hit a home run at home? I don't get it. So we'll talk about that, Manoa, and more when we return to the Gregor Show, presented by Play Alberta. Thoughts. Pause of Friday continues on at the Sports Theater TSN 1260. Welcome back. Jason Gregor, Connor Halley with you. Strutty will be by at the top of the hour. Busy day, lots to discuss. I like it. Let's get to the uh, MLB report brought to you by All Tech Supply. The only Canadian-owned Valve Master distributor that exclusively supports your local supply store. Go to alltechsupply.com, strength through distribution. And uh, TSN MLB analyst Steve Phillips joins us. And, uh, Steve, it hasn't been an awful start by any stretch, I imagine, for the Jays. Probably a disappointing one, uh, I think, would be accurate based on where they're sitting. I, I want to ask you, though, first of all, Alex Manoa, how concerned are you? Like, is, is this something that can be fixed during this season that you see? And, and what do you see as the, the biggest issues for him right now? Yeah, so it's really concerning to me. I mean, I, you know, what we're talking about 12 different starts right now. He's not right. I mean, here's a guy that was a finalist for the Cy Young Award last year, and he has 41 walks and 48 strikeouts this year. That's a guy that doesn't command his pitches, uh, can't put hitters away. Uh, in his last game, he had nine swings and misses and 18 foul balls. And he just can't wipe hitters out with a slider like he did last year. Now, you know, in some part, maybe guys are, are taking that pitch, but it doesn't have the same bite. It doesn't have the same horizontal movement on it that it had a year ago. And so he's got some mechanical problems with his delivery. And really what it is, not that hard to understand, is that, you know, I think what's happened is he's trying to generate more power with his fastball because his velocity's down a little bit. And to do it, he thinks the way to do it is to rush at the hitter with his body and then throw the, open up that front shoulder and really whip his arm through. The problem is when you rush and open up your front shoulder, your arm drags behind, and, the, and your fastball's flat, and your slider flattens out. It just spins you know, like a helicopter as opposed to that hard, nasty break that he had a year ago. So he's got some mechanical issues for sure. Now, part of the challenge, though, is, is he's thicker this year. You know, he worked out. He's got his own gym. It looks like a guy who did a lot of power lifting with his shoulders and upper body. And his arm, is he just doesn't have the same range of motion and movement on it. And he's not as athletic as he was a year ago. And so, you know, he's got some physical work to do, some mechanical work to do. And then, you know, in this last game, he did attack hitters a little bit more. Uh, his strike-to-ball to ratio was better. Uh, his first pitch strikes were better, yet... He walked the leadoff hitter in three of the four innings in which he pitched, and he used 89 pitches to get through four innings. So he's got a lot of work to do. I personally would send him to the minor leagues. Uh, and, you know, last year was last year. This year's this year. Uh, and right now he's not competitive. And the problem is that, that trying to compete in a major league game while changing your delivery is not, it, it's not conducive to success. And so it's a setup to failure, and that's really what he's been doing. So I would go with an opener and then bring in either Trevor Richard or Nate Pearson, let them be the bulk guy behind them, uh, or go find a pitcher somewhere, bring somebody up to the minor league. And, and, you know, I think the most important thing right now is to fix Manoa. And I think sending him to AAA, what happens is you don't have to worry about the result. If you lose the AAA game, who cares? It doesn't matter. They're not in the business to win in Buffalo. They're in the business to win in Toronto. And the best thing, the most important thing for them is to fix him as quickly as possible and taking him out of this element of competitiveness will allow him to just really focus on his mechanics, get right, and then bring him back and let him be good at the major league level. Well, Steve, I love that. That's thinking outside the box. You, like, you, a guy who he's still a young player, right? and I love what you said about it. It's hard to fix your mechanics and delivery at the MLB level. It's just it's not a developmental league. I totally understand it. I'm having been around baseball as much as you've played and being an analyst. Do you think the Jays organization would be willing to do it? Because some players might not be able. They're like, "What? I'm not. A, I'm not a Triple A player." You know, like how do you massage that conversation? Yeah. Well, uh, it, right. It's not an easy conversation, but I mean, uh, the the response to it is, "Well, you know what? How many times are we going to send you out there and end up with the same result?" 
you know, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result is the definition of insanity. And so you can keep doing it. But here's the thing. If it makes him upset, okay. Uh, you know, uh, he should be upset, but, but he's getting upset at the wrong person. It's about competing, and there are no scholarships in Major League Baseball. And it also sends a message to everybody else in the organization that, that you know, we need to win, and that's what it's about. And sometimes when somebody's hit rock bottom, that's when they're open to making the changes that are being suggested to them where they might not have been that willing otherwise. So I think there's a lot of reasons to do it, mostly for Manoa, but I think for others. And just because it upsets somebody doesn't mean it's the wrong thing. And in many ways, I want him to be upset so that he says to himself, geez, maybe I better do what they're telling me to do. Not that he's being obstinate in, in, in any way, but, you know, the changes aren't getting made that need to get made. And so, I, you know, if it makes him a little bothered, then I think it's not the worst thing in the world. Can you explain why Vladdy Guerrero can't hit a home run in Toronto? Yeah, he will, and it's going to come yeah. in a bunch. You know, it's just, it's you know, look, this is just baseball. I mean, it's just, it's so weird. You know, and the game's so mental, too, that, that once people make it a thing, then you got to start thinking about it. Then it affects the way that you act. It affects the way that you swing. It affects the way that you think. You start thinking, oh, geez, let me, let me try to hit home runs right now. Let me try to do this right now. And, and you know, that gets you into trouble doing that, too. Trying is hitter, a hitter's worst enemy. And what I mean by it is that hitting is not about effort. It's about focus, concentration, skill, mechanics, and all of that. When hitters aren't hitting, it's not because they're not trying. And typically, it's because they're trying too hard. They're trying to do too much. They're trying to, to you know, I, I have to get a hit instead of I'm just going to have a quality at bat. Uh, and so he'll be fine. And he's still going to hit his 30-plus home runs this year. He's still got, I, I, I believe he will hit another home run at the Rogers Center before the season's over. I believe it. <laughs> yeah, bold. Uh, what do you make of the uh, um, the pitch? Because there's a lot of people that that, that think uh, Manoa's struggles have to do with the uh, the pitch clock. Yeah, I you know I I mean every pitcher in Major League Baseball has to make that adjustment, and you know he's not unique to having to deal with it. Everybody is, uh, and. You know, so I, I just I don't I don't accept that as an excuse. You know, at the minor league level, they they've had the pitch clock. Now I think I don't know how much he had of it before he came up to the major league, but it's been there. And so you know, for, for me, look, if, and if that's an issue, then send them to the minor leagues and work on being a better pitcher with the pitch clock. They've got it down there too, and so because it's part of their preparation. And uh, and it's you know, look, here's the thing: I don't. It's not a punishment. It's actually. Yeah. You know, the whole idea is let's get him back to the big leagues as quickly as we can to where he can be successful. And, you know, doing it this way is just him being in the big leagues, but it's not, it's not good enough. And so, uh, you know, everybody has to make the adjustments. And a lot of it's mental where they have to get over the fact that there's, you know, Max Scherzer's, you know, acting out and, you know, popping off, but he's not happy with it. But it is what it is. And either you make the adjustment or you don't. And I don't know how that would impact him, you know, throwing 41 walks in, in only 48 strikeouts. Yeah, it's totally fair. I, I, I think it, it's an easy one to look at. I, I think you know, his body type, you're saying he looks a little bit bigger, so maybe he's carrying a little bit more weight, so I don't know, maybe he's fatigued with the uh, the pitch clock, but I could see that later, but not early in a game. Like, my goodness, it's not like it's that taxing that if he throws 10 pitches, suddenly, oh, geez, I'm so tired because the clock's that fast. Like, I wouldn't think it would be right, that instant. Right. I mean, here's the thing, he threw four innings. Uh, yeah. And he walked the leadoff hitter in three of the four innings. And, and you know, that's not pitch clock related. That's just not throwing strikes. And, uh, and look, I don't know that he's out of shape. I, he may have actually overworked his upper body in a way that he got too thick. Uh, and so I don't, you know, I'm not looking to shame him about that. I just think that his body looks different and thicker up in the chest and shoulder area, which could absolutely be from working out. And, and, but what it has done is it feels like it's locked him up a little bit there and he's got less range of motion and flexibility to be able to throw the ball and, and less athleticism with his upper body than he had a year ago. How impressed have you been by Varsho, or do you expect him to be this? Although his batting average obviously isn't where it wants to be, but he, you know he started out great, and he's you know he's he's hit the skids a little bit here. What maybe what's the difference in the last few weeks that suddenly Varsho's struggling at the plate? You know, look, he's, he's, he's a trier as well, you know, and, and like I can relate to that. I was 
when I played, I was a, a, a left-handed hitting second baseman. He's a left-handed hitting outfielder, or, you know, catcher as well. And I was a trier. And I, I, I recognized that in him, that over-trying, trying to do too much, feeling like I've got to live up to the expectations of the fans and my new teammates and everything else. He'll settle in. But I do like him. He's an athlete. He's gritty. He, he, the left-handed bat adds balance to this lineup that they desperately need. And so uh, I, I really think that in the long run, this trade's going to work out for them. You know, Gurriel's been really good, but, but you know, they needed a left-handed bat uh, desperately. And, and so I still think it's going to be a good fit uh, there. So I'm on the streets of New York City, so that's the noise in the background here. Uh, I'm actually – I was at MLB Network uh, doing the, uh, you know, TV today. And I'm in New York City for the weekend because Al Leiter, former Blue Jay and, and one of my former players with the Mets, uh, is being inducted into the Mets Hall of Fame. So I'm going to that nice. ceremony tomorrow. And that's why I'm in New York and you hear all the background noise. Oh, that's great. Uh, hey, it's always, that'll be a fun time. See a lot of your former friends and teammates. Um, well, well, Manoa has struggled. Chris Bassett's been pretty solid. Um, Steve, is he overachieved um, maybe on what your expectations were, or were you expecting this guy to give you this many quality starts early on? Yeah, no, I expected this from him. He's a professional. You know, he's not a guy that shuts out the opposition, but he always gives his team a chance to win. And he's competitive. He's a good teammate. uh, He's got good stuff. And so I'm a big fan of Chris Bassett. Saw him a lot in New York last year with the Mets. He obviously was a very good pitcher for Oakland. He's a guy that pitches the number one in the rotation in Oakland, even though you know, he's not really a number one type starter. But he's a big game pitcher, and uh, and if if team if he gives up a run, he doesn't cave in. It doesn't turn into you know three or four runs. He's able to limit the damage and, and still get the job done. So uh, I'm a big fan of Bassett, and, and obviously I think uh, you know he's uh, he's pitched well. I think he's lined up against Justin Verlander in the game tonight. Steve, when you play, stolen bases used to be much more prevalent than they have been in recent memory. Now, this year they're back up. Uh, you know, all the rule changes, you've had two months to see it. Has it gone better than you expected? Where you, you're like, hey, I was all on board with it. What, what's your thoughts? And is there any of the rule changes that you don't like? Oh, I think the rule changes are fantastic. I, I think it's exactly what the game needed. Pace of play is so much better. They've knocked about a half an hour off every game on average, which is phenomenal. And it's not so much the time, the length of the game, it's the time between the action that's being removed. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, that's the key. It's just that, you know, you, you're, you know the ball's being put play more re- rapidly. You know, it got to where in the 70s, there was like two and a half minutes between the ball being put in play. And in, in the, you know, last year it was over four minutes between the ball being put in play. And so that's the extra time that's being whittled out of the game right now, which I think is great. You know, banning the shift is adding more singles and base runners. The bigger bases uh, and limitations on a pitcher, disengagements on the mound is adding to stolen bases. And so I think that uh, I think that Bud, or that Bob uh, Manfred will ultimately go to the Hall of Fame because of these changes that he made and the improvements to the game that it's brought. You mentioned Scherzer, and, and I could see, you know what, a veteran pitcher who's been around. Hey, nobody likes change in the regular routine. I don't care who you are. Most of us uh, don't love it. But outside of him, there's been a few guys. Like, there, there's no reason that this is going to go back. And do you think there's anything else baseball would consider after seeing the success of these changes? Yeah, I do. I think at some point we're going to have uh, you know the automated strike zone, which I am a big fan of because you know when you're you're in a game, it's your team or you're the hitter. Uh, and the count's one and one, and, and the umpire misses a pitch, and he calls it a strike, and it should have been a ball. The difference for a hitter and an at-bat, if the count it should be two and one instead of one and two, is so significant. Uh, and so, you know, the, here's what I want. I want whatever the action on the field is to be the actual true result of, of what we're playing. And I, the whole notion of, well, the element of human error, I like it. No, Why? And, and, and from a team perspective, I put too much work in to building a team, preparing my team to play, looking to execute pitches, and looking to, to you know, have quality at bat. that a mistake from an umpire, who doesn't mean to make it, but a mistake from the umpire can cost me a, a, a game, uh, a, a season, a playoff game. There's just no reason to do it if we can avoid to do it, and we can do it in a gentle way that it doesn't disrupt the game. So my sense is the first attempt at that will not be an automated strike zone where they call every pitch. 
But what we've seen in the minor leagues and in the Arizona Fall League is that you can challenge a pitch. That if you think that uh, the umpire called the strike and it should have been a ball, then you can actually challenge it. And then the automated system will decide whether the umpire is right or wrong. Much gentler, moves much more quickly. You don't take the umpires out of the game, but it allows you to make sure you get pitches right in critical moments. Mm. You think that would come in as early as next year? I think there's a chance of it. Yeah, I really do. I think there's a chance of it. They're studying it. They're testing it. The other thing is they're going to probably come up with a universal baseball that has some stickiness or some tackiness to it so we don't have to put rosin bags on the mound. We don't have to worry about pitchers putting pine tar on their hands. But I do. I think those are probably the next two things that are coming, and I think they're going to come fairly soon, as early as next year. Ooh, I love it. Steve, thanks so much. Uh, enjoy the retirement uh, uh, for Al Leiter. Uh, not a retirement, excuse me, uh, Getting uh, going into the Hall of Fame for the Mets. Uh, that'll be quite the weekend. Enjoy it. Okay, thanks so much for having me. appreciate it. Steve Phillips, a really good breakdown on Alex Manoa. MLB, it's a big move, there's no question. But when you think about the mechanics of a pitcher, and you're pitching every five games, you're working on some things, but if he's not competitive right now as a starting pitcher, would it be beneficial for him to have a two-week stint in the minors and work out some things on the mound in games that don't carry the same weight for the franchise? It'd be a bold move. I wonder if they'd consider it. Very interesting. Now you listen to him talk about because hey, lots like I know there's been lots. Of, oh, he's out of shape. See, I don't I don't agree that he's out of shape. He might have worked out incorrectly. Sometimes you bulk up too much. So, Strutty's talked about that. Right there, were, there were some suggestions that Philip Broberg had had a little bit of issue with that. You know, this past year in Edmonton, and, and how is his off season training maybe wasn't the most effective for him take a quick break uh when we return jason strudwick will uh join us a little bit of tears for strutty some uh, blazers tears we'll get to that after a connor halley sports center update brought to you by mc dispatch same day career company you can move any size package promptly and efficiently go to mcdispatch.com Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 